Well, John chapter 6 is one of the, uh, if not the, longest chapter in the New Testament. And we began to look at it last week by looking at the first 21 verses. And so we find ourselves there again this morning. Uh, And this morning we'll look at verses 22 through 59. So that's John chapter 6, verses 22 through 59, page number 1059 in the Pew Bibles. Hear the word of the Lord. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, Give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. 
This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as we learned last week, uh, this story from John chapter 6 is one complete unit that we are dividing into three individual sermons. But we do have to keep it all in front of us as we, as we move through this. Uh, so last week, uh, as Pastor Dave taught, we saw the king do the impossible. Uh, so if we include women and children, Jesus fed more than 5,000 people with only a few loaves and some fishes. And John mentions that this feeding of the 5,000 happened at the time of the Passover, which is no coincidence. Uh, the original Passover was the event that sparked Israel's exit from slavery in Egypt. And God spared the life of the firstborn uh, of every family by passing over the homes of those who acted in faith uh, by putting the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of their home. And here in John 6, we see that Jesus is the greater Moses. He has come to lead his people out of the ultimate slavery, which is slavery to our sin. And so the crowd uh, rightly identifies Jesus as the greater Moses because of this amazing sign that he performed. And they are right. He is the prophet that Moses said God would one day send. But they did not understand who he really is. They did not understand what he actually came to do. They wanted to force him to be their king. And so Jesus slips away into the mountains by himself. Later, he walks across the Sea of Galilee and catches up to the disciples who are slowed down by a storm. He calms the raging sea. He gets into the boat and transports the boat instantly to the other side. And the next morning, which is where our passage begins, uh, the crowd knows Jesus wasn't on that last boat with the disciples. Uh, and so when they make their way across the sea to catch up to Jesus in the synagogue there at Capernaum, their first question is, well, <laughs> how did you get here so fast? But Jesus never answers their question. Instead, he gets right to the heart of their problem, which is that they don't care who he really is. And they don't care what he actually came to do. All they care about is who they want him to be and what they hope he will do for them. And so Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, 
You are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And so that sign of feeding the 5,000 people was meant to point them to Jesus. But all they could see was this man who was powerful enough to give them abundant food. And so Jesus begins to teach them who he actually is. He, he tells them that he has food to give them that will endure to eternal life. He tells them that God the Father has put his seal on him. And then he calls himself the Son of Man, which is an obvious reference to uh, the divine uh, figure in Daniel chapter 7. I would love for you to go look at that uh, and read about that. But there's this story there where you see this person who is distinct from God, and yet he is God in the same way. And that person is called the Son of Man. And so when Jesus starts saying things like this... <laughs> Even though he just fed 5,000 people, all of a sudden the crowd says, you know, we're going to need a little bit more proof if you're going to say that God put his seal on you and that you're from heaven and that you're the son of man. So they asked Jesus if this food that he has to give that endures to eternal life could possibly be better than the food that their fathers received uh, in the wilderness from God. So Jesus, sure, you fed 5,000 people one day, but we know that God fed a million people every day for 40 years. Jesus acknowledges that that manna was from heaven, but then he tells them that he has true bread from heaven that gives eternal life to the world. And so they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And by asking this question, it reminds us of the woman at the well a few chapters earlier who thought the living water that Jesus had to give was really just an abundant supply of water. And so Jesus tells them plainly, I am the bread of life. Last week, Pastor Dave pointed out that when Jesus got into the boat with the disciples, he identified himself as Yahweh. The great I am who gave Moses his name at the burning bush. And here again, he uses that same Greek construction, ego, a me, to identify himself as Yahweh. In English, we could legitimately put a capital I and a capital A-M. I am the bread of life, is what Jesus said when he got into that boat. It's also what Jesus said to the Jews here. And the crowd's response to Jesus' self-revelation is unbelief so the jews grumbled about him because he said i am the bread that came down from heaven they said is not this jesus the son of joseph whose father and mother we know how does he now say i have come down from heaven so at first they believed that he was the prophet that moses said would come and they wanted to crown him king But as soon as his self-revelation differed from what they wanted him to be, they started reminding themselves that he's no different from them. He's actually one of us. We know his mom and dad. Even though they've just seen him perform this amazing sign, instead of letting that sign point them to who he really is, all of the sudden, all they could see was how ordinary Jesus is. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He then tells this Jewish crowd who understood themselves to be God's chosen people that they must believe in him to have eternal life. 
but that they can't believe in him unless God draws them to him. And to a Jew, this would have sounded absurd. But then Jesus takes it to a whole new level. And he goes on to say that not only is he the bread of life that came down from heaven, but if anyone wants to have eternal life, they have to eat this bread. And then he says, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, from our perspective, we could see how what Jesus means here is that he will give his life on a Roman cross for the sins of the world. But to the Jewish crowd, this sounds bizarre and confusing. Especially when Jesus goes on to say that to have eternal life, a person must not only eat the bread, which is his flesh, but they must also drink his blood. Now try to imagine what this would have sounded like to a Jew who had been taught his whole life that to drink or eat blood would result in being excluded from the people of Israel. And here Jesus is saying, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. So these words are strange. These words are difficult. But by using these words, what Jesus is doing is he's interpreting himself to the Jews at the time and also to us. He's, he's decoding who he is And what he actually came to do. And unless we accept Jesus on his terms, uh, these words will never make any sense to any of us. You see, this passage forces us to ask. If we are coming to Jesus based on who he really is and what he actually came to do. Or like the Jewish crowd here, are we coming to Jesus based on who we want him to be? And what we hope he'll do for us. But the truth is, Jesus is a powerful miracle worker. Obviously. Jesus does really, truly care about our physical needs and our desires. He had compassion on the crowd the day before, which is one of the reasons he fed all 5,000 of them. But if our focus is on Jesus' signs, then we will miss what the sign is meant to point us to. When I first uh, started walking, really, with God in my mid-twenties, if I'm being honest, uh, my main motivation was I wanted Jesus to help me be good so I could have nice things. I wanted Jesus for what he could provide for me. And if I'm being honest, that is still a very strong motivation in my own heart for why I want to obey Jesus's commands and live how he tells me I ought to do. And the truth is, he does provide for us. And many times he does give us the things that we desire. In fact, he can even dazzle us with gifts and wonderful experiences of his presence Or a season where things in life just seem to be going our way. Maybe we've experienced him provide for us abundantly. Just like being one of the 5,000 people who ate the miraculous bread that day. And when things are going like that, 
We want Jesus to be our king. But then sometimes he seems to disappear, which is confusing. And so we go looking for him, wondering why I'm still alone or why I'm still struggling with the same sinful temptation that I've been struggling with for years. I've begged him to give me victory over it. And then we hear that he's the bread of life and we just need to believe in him and eat his flesh and drink his blood. And we can't help but wonder, what does that even mean? And and how is that supposed to help me with cancer or just getting this difficult homework problem done? That sounds real nice, but what's that got to do with the fact that my kids won't behave, my best friend won't talk to me, and we're living in a country that's pulling itself apart along political and racial and gender lines? Because you and I, every day, are facing massive problems. And sometimes Jesus just seems so ordinary. I'm just supposed to believe? And come to church? And sing songs and pray? Watch baptisms? Hear the pastor talk about the Bible again? I already know that story. I grew up listening to that story. How is that supposed to help me? Sometimes I think we feel like this crowd and we want to just say to Jesus, Jesus, the Romans are oppressing us. (laughs) And sure, you gave us food yesterday, but we're going to need more food today. And I wonder if the fear that all of us have is that Jesus is not enough for our real world problems. And his ways are, are just too ordinary. The temptations that tug at our hearts, the, the problems that fill up our lives are so big that sometimes they're all that we can see. And Jesus knows that. And yet, he says to us, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Remember the story of Mary and Martha? Martha's buzzing around trying to get everything done, and Mary's just sitting at Jesus' feet. And Jesus says to Martha, 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 you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Christian, Jesus knows your troubles. He knows our pain and our sorrow. He knows our fear. He knows the sinful desires that still haunt us. And he knows the very good unmet desires that we all still have. But Jesus did not come primarily to rescue us from our real world problems. Jesus came to rescue us from our real problem, which is our sin. And since he is taking care of our real problem, we can trust him with everything else, even if it seems impossible. This is what Jesus means when he tells the crowd, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Sure, 
God miraculously took care of the Israelites' real-world problems by feeding them every day in the wilderness for 40 years. But guess what? They all still died. And he could cure all of our diseases. He could make us better students. He could make our children more obedient. He could save America from pulling itself apart. And he could take away all of our pain and all of our loneliness. And if he did, we would all still die. But if we come to him, we will never hunger. And if we believe in him, which as this verse shows us is what it means to come to him, then we will never thirst. So the only thing we really need to concern ourselves with is making sure that we are feeding on the food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man has to give to each and every one of us. And they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God. That you believe in him whom he has sent. You see, we always want to know, what do I have to do, Jesus, to make sure that I'm feeding on the food that endures to eternal life? What work does God require of me so that I can come to you and to believe and know that my sins are forgiven and that my eternal destiny is secure? And Jesus' answer is, this is the work of God. It's the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Yes, we must really, truly believe in Jesus. But if we do that, if we receive Jesus by faith, then that was the work of God. It's the work of God that we believe in him whom he has sent. And if we thought feeding on 5,000 people was a miracle, the greatest miracle in all the world is when a sinner opens their eyes to see that Jesus is the bread of life. And then if you have him, you will never hunger and you will never thirst. Even if your personal sorrow feels like it's ripping you apart. The fact that we believe in Jesus and that he is the bread of life, that is the work of God. And we don't make it happen. We don't keep it happening because it's God's will to give us belief. And then to keep us believing until the last day. In the center of Jesus's discourse here, he says this. He says, all that the father gives me will Come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Christian. If you are here this morning. And you trust that the body of Jesus was broken for you. 
and that the blood of Jesus was poured out for you, if you know that it is true and if you have trusted that Jesus didn't just die for sinners, but that he died for you, then you have eternal life. And you can know that the Father loves you. And that it has been his will from before the foundation of the world to send his one and only son to live for you and then to die for you and to forgive you of all your sins and then to never lose you. It is God's will to choose you and to call you and to keep you and then to raise you up on the last day. It doesn't matter how much you doubt. It doesn't matter how much you waver. It doesn't matter how much you battle with sin every single day. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. If you have faith, then your faith is the work of God. And when God does a work, it cannot be undone. When God has united a sinner to his son through faith, nothing can break that apart. Later, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. If you believe in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, that means that God has loved you since before he created the world. And then when you were born at some point in time, he drew you to himself. One pastor I listened to gave this analogy. He said, When Jesus, or when God draws us to himself, it's like drawing uh, a bucket of water out of a well. The only thing we contribute to the process is weight and resistance. Don't you feel like that sometimes? Don't you feel like the only thing that you're contributing to your relationship with God is weight and resistance? And yet... And yet, he's still drawing you to himself. Why do we fight so hard to trust someone who loves us so much? Friends, if in this life, if all of our desires were fulfilled and if all of our problems were solved, we would still die. But if we feed on the bread of life, we will live forever. Now, Jesus does say some strange things, admittedly, here about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And some people say that this is referring to uh, the Lord's Supper. But that cannot be true, because if this was referring to the Lord's Supper, that means by simply eating the Lord's Supper, we would have eternal life. It wouldn't matter what we believe. But the reason the language Jesus used here reminds us of the Lord's Supper is because eating the Lord's Supper is meant to point us to what Jesus is talking about in this passage. So earlier in this passage, we learned that Jesus is the bread of life and that if we eat this bread, we will have eternal life. And then he says that everyone who comes to him and looks on him and believes on him has eternal life. And then he says that everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to him, so then they would have eternal life. And then in verse 47, he says very plainly, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. And so if we stack all these things together 
By the time Jesus begins to say that to eat his flesh and to drink his blood in order to have eternal life, it should be clear that eating the bread, looking on him, coming to him, eating his flesh, drinking his blood, all of those things are just different ways of describing what it means to receive Christ by faith and to, and to really, truly believe that by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, Jesus is yours. <clears throat> One commentator put it this way. He said, John 6 is not about the Lord's Supper, but the Lord's Supper is about John 6. Later, the Apostle Paul will say, For as often as you eat of this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So to eat his flesh and drink his blood is simply to believe in the life, death, and resurrection for all of the forgiveness of all of your sins. And to eat the bread and drink the wine is a sign pointing to that reality. And when we participate in communion, we're proclaiming, right, that we believe that Jesus belongs to me and all of his benefits are mine by faith alone. And in two weeks, we'll have the opportunity to partake of that meal together. In the meantime, let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. And we know that the language in this passage is hard to understand. And yet, Father, when we stand back, we see, we see that what you're trying to say is that all we need to do is believe. And then you're assuring us that if we do believe, all of the benefits that belong to us in Christ are ours. And we can rest in assurance that you will never let us go and that you will hold me fast, firm until the end. Thank you for this knowledge. Thank you for this truth that helps us to rest in Jesus' finished work on our behalf. We pray this in his holy name. Amen.